This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast about all things innovation in the people space. I'm Kyle Rode. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Rebel HR community. Super excited for the guest today. This is one of those situations where I wish I would have hit record like five minutes ago, but we're going to do our best to reenact that. With us, we have Jim D'Amico. He is the Director of Talent Acquisition at Holland America Group. We're going to be talking about talent acquisition, innovation, and a little bit of stand-up comedy. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Happy to be here. Well... Uh, we, we're, we're chuckling because we, we were just having a great conversation here. Um, and I would like to uh, give you an opportunity to maybe in, give your, yourself a little bit of an introduction to our audience about your background and ultimately uh, how you ended up as the director of talent acquisition for Holland America. Sure, absolutely. So the quick snapshot is my, my background is built on just numerous failures. Um, so, <laughs> and learning and building on those. But essentially, I've been in. I've been in the talent acquisition space for almost 30 years now. Um, I love it to death. Um, I wound up at Holland America in a very non-direct route. I actually had a friend that was working there that asked me to to do a consult for them. I was working for another company at the time, which I loved the team, loved the people. Um, and I met the folks at Holland America. And it's a fantastic team. It's a really great organization. and you know, it just felt like such a good fit. Oh, and by the way, unlimited free cruises. So it uh, <laughs> it, it was it was oh, a good decision. That's a good perk. I can't I can't offer that to my employees. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, we don't have that. <laughs> exactly, it's the best perk I've ever had. <laughs> there you go. There's there's a sub a subset of like a business opportunity there for all those cruise lines out there. You know, hey, let's let's make this an employee benefit. Exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. So, um, well, I, I'm really excited for the conversation today because you have spent, you know, a large part of your career really get digging into talent acquisition and and really focusing on innovation in the space. So, you know, I I'm curious what what sparked that 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 interest in innovation and and doing things differently or finding new ways to do things. So I think it's a combination of two things. Um, I've always been very intellectually curious, which please don't confuse that with intelligence. It just means I, I ask a lot of questions. And secondly, I'm inherently lazy. So uh, basically, I figured there were better ways to do things. I just had to figure them out. Um, so, you know, when I started in TA, Kyle, I started in third-party recruiting, right? The old boiler room recruiting. And you realize real quick, there has to be a better way to do it. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, just really talking to people, learning what they're doing, and then building on on that knowledge to do things different and better. And my my focus has always been on, you know, how do we how do we manage effort through efficiency? And I think that's that's the key question I always have to ask. So I actually, I, I love that answer. And so I, I, you know, my, um, you know, background, I grew up in retail and manufacturing and we, we're always talking about lean, right? And we're talking about continuous improvement. And I've always thought about this, like, yeah, this is great for lazy people, right? Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's all about working less hard and, and, you know, it's, 
the, the flip side of that is we say we're working more productively, but the reality is it's, it's, we're all just trying to work less hard and, or i.e. lazy. So I, I love that. It's like the, yeah, innovation is, is the lazy man's dream, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're also getting, we're getting a little bit of a background for those that, that aren't aware. Jim uh, cut his teeth in stand-up comedy. So, you know, there, there's, there's an inherent uh, jokester uh, across from the microphone as well. So thanks for bringing that out, Jim. Appreciate it. No worries. And that's failure number six, by the way. <laughs> number six. All that right. Was, that, that was failure number six, my career in stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Is it is it a failure though? I mean, I guarantee you that you have uh, some really awesome stories that uh, most of us uh, do not have. So you know, look, it is a failure. I'm not on SNL. I'm not hosting a late night talk show. Um, I'm not in the movies. But it, I mean, from that standpoint, yes. But what I learned, and again, that's that's the key with any failure. It's what you learn and how you apply it that really means things. And the great comedians make it look so easy but you get a real respect when you learn what goes into it and what's behind it and how hard it really truly is so i would not i would not trade any of my experiences that i've had no matter how much of a crash and burn they were <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate that and I, I i think what's what's fascinating about about this discussion and 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 your approach is you know the reality is we've all had failures, right? You're, you're just able to admit it. Um, but, but I also think that's inherent in all great innovators as well, right? Is the, the fact that, you know, it, it took X number of tries before you actually got something correct. And the difference between giving up on that one that you got correct versus the 99 you got incorrect, you know, made all the difference, right? And so I, I think, I think it's a testament to, to, to all the great innovators out there. So as you look at the, the challenges facing us in talent acquisition, first of all, I would agree, ripe for innovation. It is one of those areas that um, you know, I still think has a significantly long way to go. Um, so as you look at, at your space, and um, you know, there's also uh, a side note, you know, you've, you've been named the last three years, uh, a talent innovator for 2020, 2021, 2022. Obviously, you're doing something innovative in the space. Where, where are you seeing the biggest opportunity to make the biggest ripple? And how are you kind of focus your, focusing your energy on that right now? So great question. So I think it comes to that we, we've, we've had to transition how talent acquisition operates. And what I mean by that is, you know, 10 years ago, and we changed slowly. So 10 years ago is like six months in TA time. Um, but 10 years ago, you could focus on attraction, talent attraction, right? Which means flashy ads, flashy postings, you know, whatever, and get people motivated. Well, you know, we have 1.6 million more jobs than we have people now. So attraction isn't where we're at. So I tell people all the time, we're in a post-attraction world. We are now focused on on talent seduction, right? Which is a, a longer process. It's more involved. But when I look at, when, when that realization came to me, that the difference between attraction and seduction, what really realized to me, so how do, how does seduction work? And 
like all things that humans do, and this goes back to comedy, this goes to everything, it all comes down to storytelling. So that was when I won that award. Uh, the first big push we made in innovation was around how we approach storytelling. So I'm a recruiter by trade, right? And so my team, we were talking about that and said, we need to do a better job selling, telling stories and focus on stories that are constructed properly, that are legit stories, right? You don't want to tell fibs. And that in some way we could serialize because we have to build these relationships with candidates. And we discussed before the call. So I, you know, I trained for five years at, at Second City, but again, I'm a failed comedian. So I didn't think I was the best person to build that, but I'm a recruiter. So I sourced a screenwriter that had worked on a couple of shows that my recruiters really liked, which were uh, Walking Dead and House of Cards. And I cold called her and said, hey, would you be interested in helping me build a storytelling class and course for my team that was foundational? So my team was really one of the first ones to, to really focus on structured storytelling as part of the talent acquisition process. First-person stories, all very honest, coupled with a diagnostic interviewing process where we were not telling stories at first. We're asking people where it hurts and then using stories to show the cure. And that really changed the game for us. So that was a, a big impetus for innovation for us. And I'm sorry, that was probably 10 minutes too long. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Okay, so I just want to back up for a minute. So you just, so Jim wants to build a course. What does Jim do? He cold calls a, somebody that's a screenwriter for like House of Cards, Walking Dead, and just says, hey, can we build a, a, a course on telling stories? So, uh, okay, I'm cool. I'm, I'm hooked. So, 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 as, so as you're building out, like building out this protocol and thinking about this, you know, this, the, the power of the story. And I love that. I love the, the comment, changing it from attraction to seduction. Um, which uh, there, there, I guarantee you there's a lot of jokes in there. But um, I, I, I am not a Second City comedian, so I'm not even going to try. I'm sure you, you can probably think of some. But um, as, as you're building out this course and as you're thinking about telling this story in the context of recruiting, what did the professional screenwriters focus on? Like, like how, how did they approach this problem and, and help, help kind of, ready your team for telling these stories? Sure. So first there's a technical portion, right? Like, so stories have a structure and it's, it's basically the three act structure, right? You have an act one that is an introduction, sets the stage. Act two is a challenge. Act three is the resolution. And then you have seven story archetypes that you can build around. And those are things like Hero's Quest, uh, Voyager Return, Rise from the Ashes, uh, so you have these different archetypes. So understanding that structure, understanding that for stories to be powerful, they have to be first person, right? When you're telling a story like this happened to a friend of a friend, people lose interest. But when you tell it from the first person, it's realistic. And then also, we really wanted stories that were what we called snackable, right? So we're talking... These are 90-second stories. So you have 30 seconds per act, essentially, plus or minus a couple. Um, and then, you know, so then the other thing we had to work on was that's the structure, build the stories. Then we had to constantly work on how we rehearse those stories. You don't want them to sound scripted. 
you don't want them to meander. You don't want to have a ton of ums. You want them to sound very good. So, you know, we built our stories and most people built them out like around bullet points. And then we practiced them with each other over and over and over again, which is a, a what you'd see comedians do. So if you're ever at a comedy club, look through the window after it closed. There's a bunch of comedians sitting around drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, telling each other jokes, just really trying to practice making them sound natural and great delivery. And so we did the same thing. Did anybody do like the Seinfeld voice? Because I feel like that would really <laughs> <suck>. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, but What's that would have been beautiful. With- <laughs> that would have been so beautiful. That's, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm totally going to. Good. So, I, you know, I think it's, you know, what's fascinating about this conversation? I've never thought about this before. Okay, so first of all, so congratulations. Like, this is like the 200th episode. We've, ne- we, we've talked about the power of stories. We've talked about the power of humor. Um, but we haven't really talked about, like, how, how everything fits together, especially from the context of how do you apply this to the talent acquisition process, right? But I think... You know what what you're getting at here what's what's really powerful from my standpoint as I hear this is like we're we're tapping into people's humanity, right? You're tapping into the things that that entertain them and get them excited and get them motivated and like and like tap into something that's at the core of 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 human beings which is like we want to hear these stories. Like this is like this is how we have shared communication for for you know thousands and thousands of years. Absolutely. So why wouldn't we use this thing that we're like biologically naturally inclined to gravitate towards and put it in the context of getting people to want to work for you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, hundred percent. hundred percent. It makes perfect sense. Okay. So, okay. So I'm sold on that. So I'm going to go, I got to go figure out which show I want, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've been watching, I've been watching too much key and peel. That's probably not HR appropriate, but, um, <laughs> I think they're probably way too busy, but, but great storytellers, right? They tell a story Absolutely. very in, in an episode. They'll tell several different stories, and uh, they're great. I love I love Gabriel too. Me so. too. I um, so here's here's what's funny. Okay, this is this is maybe tangential, but like the rea- So I was watching Key and Peel, like old school, like episode one, like season one, whatever. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like this is the same voice that all of um, Jordan Peele's movies are in now, yes. some of those sketches. And it's it like, for me, it was like a powerful, like, oh, I can see like the paintbrushes from this, from the artist. Yes. Right? And so, so I, I actually, actually do have a question here. So I, I, that was kind of an interesting, like, like aha moment here. It was actually this weekend. I'm curious how you take these stories. How do you put that kind of that artist's brush on them so that they tie that person back to either the recruiter or the hiring manager or the organization? How do you how do you make this so that this is this is personable and that it that it is almost that artistic expression for the folks that are telling these stories? So two two things there. So first off, everybody has their own voice. So never try to apply your voice to someone else, right? Let them find their own voice. That's really important because if not, they're going to stumble. It's going to sound artificial. But also, it's knowing what story to tell at the right point. So I alluded earlier to something called diagnostic interviewing, right? So when we're talking to somebody, somebody's not talking to us because they want a job. They're talking to us because they think we can solve a problem they have, right? 
might be they don't like their manager. They don't have a chance for advancement. They, you know, they want to be in a different location. There's a million different things that, that, that could be that pain point. So we have to take the time to do that diagnosis and say, what is that pain point? And then make sure that the story that we tell them applies to the, how we, we would see that being a cure, giving them an example of how we've cured that before or how it was cured for us. But it's lining up the right story. So we hear all the time, selling and telling are not the same things. So when we're telling a story, we're really selling a story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's so we have had this dialogue with um, on the other side of the spectrum where we talk about like, okay, when you are creating a job description, what is the problem that you're trying to solve for the organization? Right. But that's, it's very, it's all, honestly, it's kind of selfish, right? It's like, well, what do we, what do we want? Right. Yes. It's, I think it's a lot more rare where you'll find an organization that actually does what you des- described, which is go try to figure out what, what their problem is. What is the candidate's problem that they're trying to solve? And then my gosh, what if you get those two things aligned, right? Like, like Hey, you know, I get, my yeah. job is done here. I can go home now. <laughs> exactly. And that's why like when it comes to jobs, and when it comes to candidates, like, I, what is the wrong question in my mind? I think we have to start with why. So when we talk about a job, why does a job exist? Not why is it open, right? It's probably open because somebody left or we're expanding. But why does the job exist? Is it there to make money? Is it there to save money? Is it there to improve a process? Because as a candidate, that's what I really want to know is, is why... Why do you need me? And for candidates, it's the same thing. It's not so much about what they can do. We have to start with, why are you looking? What is that pain point that you want help solving? Um, it's a much more human way to look at things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it you know, goes back to the intellectual curiosity that you mentioned earlier, right? Um, it, and the fact that you're not just assuming that, well, so-and-so quit. Okay. Where's the job description? Well, when did we update it? Oh, four and a half years ago. Good enough. It's still got our logo on it. They'll go ahead. That's and right. You know, it's like, I mean, and, and I guarantee you, so our listeners right now, I guarantee you they're like, oh yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, um, they're chuckling because they know, yeah, that we, we all do this. We all do this. All the, like, like if anybody says, oh, I've never done that, you're full of shit. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's easy. It's easier yeah. to just say, okay, here's the job description, post it, hit send, and just wait for the, the applications to flow in, right? But my, my guess is your opinion is that that might not be the best way to do it. It's not, right? So look, we all want to take that path of least resistance, right? Again, let's get back to, you know, we inherently as humans love stories. We inherently are lazy. So, <laughs> you know, um, but... When we have to do things that go past that lazy, I think where where TA fails, and and this is often true in the larger HR context of how we communicate with our constituents, is we never really tell them what's in it for them. You know, no hiring manager is looking forward to doing an intake because they think it's just going to be sitting on the phone with the recruiter, giving them keywords, telling them where to look, you know, going over the experience. But when we say, look, if we take the time and we really dig into the why and we get some of this other information, you know, what's in it for you is going to be quicker access to better candidates that are more engaged, 
So, you know, qualified interest and available becomes much quicker for you. And the people that you talk to are going to come somewhat pre-connected to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So earlier in my career, I didn't get it. I, I was in the same, I was just like, why do I have to, why do we have to do all this? Like this, like, you know, we've already looked at this job description so many times. What more can we do to it? And, and the reality is, you know, the, the more work you do up front, the more clear you are, the more, not just on what the job needs to be, but, but being really honest about what are the actual skills that we need? Yes. You know, what, do, do we need somebody from the industry or not? You know, and then having the opportunity to have a candidate come in that, that is warm and like already warmed up, like <laughs> we'll go back to the. Like, you know, it's like the, the, the stand-up comedian that has the warm-up act, right? Like, yes. nobody wants to see the magician, but the magician makes the comedian look that much better, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I hope, you know what, Jim? I'm really sorry if magician was one of the, one of the like, six failures before comedy. Oh, not nearly talented. I have a good friend that's a magician. Not, not nearly <laughs> talented enough. <laughs> I love, if there's any magicians listening to this, I love you all. This is where equal opportunity, <laughs> magicians included. That's a protected class under the EEOC. That's right. See now, see now you got me going, and now you, everybody's realizing Kyle is so bad at comedy. You leave the jokes to Jim. That's what's happening. You're doing great, guy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know what? Just keep feeding my ego. It's gonna be better for 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 me. <laughs> so you know, I I think. I think one of the things that that's been interesting about this conversation and and um, I'm curious to get your perspective on it is, you know, the the other thing that I have found and, and you are no exception is that when you talk to people who are good storytellers and to uh, take the time to actually kind of build this this you know, level of connection you start to actually build a relationship and you start to kind of understand, okay, who am I talking to on a level that's deeper than a transaction, right? And, and so it is part of your goal as a talent acquisition leader to get your team to build these levels of connection more rapidly. Is that part of the benefit of the storytelling approach as well? Yeah, absolutely, right? So it's a competitive marketplace. So the relationships matter and people will make decisions based on where they feel strong relationship versus where it's been very transactional. Um, and storytelling is a great way to make those connections because the stories and the archetypes are universal. We all have a relationship to those. And when you layer in, like if you're, if you're, if you're doing, you know, anything where it's comedy or it's humor, people don't realize all comedy comes from only two places and that's truth and pain and to um open yourself up to share your pain or share your truth you are making connections with people people respond to that because it's honest and we like that we want to have those honest relationships yeah it's it's uh it, it the vulnerability thing is is really interesting and i, I like if i look around the world and I look at all the professions where people really suck at being vulnerable. HR is one of the top in my mind where like we're supposed to be like these like stoic, but empathetic, but not too empathetic because then you're like, 
you know, being too friendly with like it's like this this weird dichotomy of 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 what you're supposed to be as an HR professional. I think we're having a little bit of a like a like a a crisis moment and you you look at like burnout levels and like people like like they don't feel like they can be themselves at work. And so so what advice would you give to us who are maybe struggling with this this honesty, the truth and pain and vulnerability that actually helps facilitate some of these connections. Um, but those professionals that are really struggling with that because maybe they've gotten mixed messages or, 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 or just aren't comfortable with it yet. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from not being comfortable with it. So, you know, it's something you can't just jump all in on right away. I think you start with sort of Think of yourself as a book, start with the preface and, you know, chapter one. So open yourself up slowly and be vulnerable. But I think it's important that you don't be afraid to show that vulnerability. You know, great leaders admit mistakes. That's a key act of vulnerability. Um, I always tell people I, I was helping a, 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 a young fellow who wants to get into comedy not too long ago. And I'm like, here's the deal. The butt of your joke is always you, right? It's not anyone else. You have to be the butt of your own jokes. And so being comfortable in doing that, because it doesn't, I don't know, we, we get this feeling that it takes away from who you are, but it really doesn't. And look, I've been in some masculine fields. I was in the army for, for many years and, you know, you can still joke, right? It's, it's, doesn't make you less of a soldier or a warrior or whatever you want to call yourself because you have a sense of humor. So being open to it, knowing that again, nothing's perfect. There may you may get some bad reactions, or you know, your boss may say, Why are you being that way? Um, but look, humans need to be human. I think that's the the bottom line. I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I think I think it is um I think it's one of the more important things is that we, we recognize when we're being inauthentic um, and, and that we're honest with ourselves when we're doing that. And I think I've had this conversation with, with a number of professionals and um, um, some poignant conversations with, with professionals who feel like I'm not allowed to be myself, right? Like it's like yeah. I walk, I, like I literally walk into work and I have to put on like this mask or this like completely different facade. And then, you know, and then I'm reprimanded when I am myself. And so, and, and <laughs> at a certain point, it's kind of like, okay, well, that sucks. Maybe you shouldn't go there anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like it, I do think yes. some of this is like, like we can choose not to, not to be in those situations. But I also, um, you know, I, I'm curious, maybe shifting gears a little bit because I, I want to ask this question and maybe you're sick of these types of questions. No. I feel like we can't talk about talent acquisition without talking about AI, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's the new, like, like the, the hottest topic. I think there's like 7,500 new podcasts with AI in the title. Um, I started three of them just to see, and they've already eclipsed the downloads, right? You know, what I mean? <laughs> but, but the reality is, um, I, I do think that AI will be a little bit disruptive, but what we're talking about is, is humanity and connection and stories. And I'm curious how you see AI and all of these like AI screening tools and like, you know, chat GPT and all these kind of like what you could call story writing or storytelling tools. 
how do you see this playing in to the this challenge of of telling stories uh being a seductive um you know employer and 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 building that human connection that relationship um with, w- without having a human so i think you know like ai is going to continue to change our lives it's going to be an evolution but i think where ai really impacts right now is actually freeing recruiters and sourcers and people in ta from the transactional pieces that can be managed by that computer uh, or by that you know machine learning and what then gives us more time to focus on relationships um, so i think that's the biggest strength now, products like ChatGTP, I love ChatGTP because when you're writing stories, this is my experience is people tend to be too wordy, right? We put too many words in. ChatGTP is a great editor. Like it really helps me distill a story down uh, in a way that used to take me hours and hours and iterations to do. So I'm a big fan. Yeah. 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 I think it's like a, like you can't just take it and copy paste, right? But it's a good like it, it helps fill in the like the blank space that yeah would be very frustrating and annoying. Yes, um, I haven't given it one of my transcripts. I don't want to know how many ands and ums it cuts out. But <laughs> I'm not myself through that. But um, yeah, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I think you said it perfectly. It's like like you still have to do the relationship piece. You still have to make the human connections and you still have to be the, the, the representative of the organization and you still have to give realistic job views and, and honest perceptions of what it's like to work there and tell your personal story. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to do all of the, all of the transactional administration behind the scenes anymore, right? So Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, I got my obligatory AI question in for the day. So thank you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. We are going to shift gears. We're going to go into the Rebel HR flash round. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Here we go. Where does HR need to rebel? So let's go back to what we're talking about. HR needs to rebel and be more human. Do not let the business tell you that you are an automaton, that you are a machine that fills a function. You be the humans that help the other humans. <laughs> be the humans it's actually in the job title it really exactly it, typically <laughs> unless you're one of those new school like people leaders or something like that people operations or whatever the newest title is <laughs> yes all right question number two who should we be listening to all right i'll give you i'll give you several folks so with the, the topic of humanity uh my good friend craig fisher uh who runs the talent at live conference um, just wrote a book called Hiring Human, which is a fantastic piece of, you know, what we're talking about right now. Um, you know, from a, a TA perspective, I also love Tim Sackett's voice. Um, he's been around the block a lot. And then um, from a storytelling standpoint, one of my really, a person I enjoy a lot learning about how we tell stories in uh, in a way to engage candidates is Jody Ordioni um, at Brandemics. Uh, just, I, I think those three are all incredible. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know 
two of them, but we actually literally just had Tim on the podcast, Tim Sackett. So uh, check that one out. We talk all we talked a lot about tech on that one. So if you, if you yeah, if you I, I, we AI just fixed. We just did the Michigan Recruiters Conference. He and I started that years ago, and I was just up there last week. Nice, uh, nice. doing that. Yeah, yeah, great boy. So appreciate you sharing that. Last question: How can our listeners reach out and connect with you? Well, because I'm in TA, LinkedIn, of course, is uh, we're all living on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> but you know, if people are on LinkedIn, you can um, always email me at jdomico at hollandamericagroup.com. I'm happy to to connect and speak with people anytime. There you go. And if you're looking for a career change and want to go into the industry, they have great perks. That's right. <laughs> I'll give you one little little plug. We usually don't sell things on the podcast, but uh, I'll give you a plug for for the you know the, the benefit, the most unique That's benefit right. you can have. Jim, it's been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for for spending the the last few minutes with us and sharing some some really powerful information. We'll have all your information in the show notes. Uh, check it out and uh, appreciate you being a voice out there uh, for, for adding some humanity back into talent acquisition. Thank you, Kyle. My pleasure. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.